Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special Independent Life podcast. Our guest today is a second-time guest, Drew Dees, near and dear friend, and now somebody who actually works here at the Center for Independent Living of North Central Florida in our high school high-tech program, and he'll explain a little bit of his journey into that, into this interview, so I won't spoil it any more than that, but it's just wonderful that our worlds are colliding once again in this space to be able to serve high school students and get them graduated and inspired and motivated to help them find their life purpose and meaning, which we talk about in this episode. He also talks about his transition out of college into post-secondary life and what that's like going from a university setting to where he has all these wonderful accommodations and access to all these wonderful resources and this huge social network into the air quotes I'm doing here, real world, and what that's like for him. And he specifically talks about the transition into finding affordable, accessible, and safe housing. Drew and I get into it in terms of being real about the generational challenges that millennials and Gen Z is facing in terms of the rampant stress, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideations and attempts that seem to be exponentially impacting this generation, what to do about that. We get into some of the big questions in life, like what is the purpose and meaning of life? What is faith? What Drew has the most fear of, where he finds the most joy, where he seems to find the most connection to the universe. We get into a little bit of a those heavy conversations and topics into this episode, I think is very needed, by the way. I do see us as a society being in continuation of the times that we've been in, in terms of a pandemic and social unrest, and we're staring at uh, inflation that doesn't seem to have a ceiling to it, too much going on right now. And so it's not just a generational thing, but it's something that's impacting all of us. And certainly getting someone who like Drew, who has just this amazing character and seems to have endless depth to his faith and belief and positivity in humanity, to touch in with him and to get his take, I think is very powerful. He also talks about what it means to be a true friend, the importance of kindness, things that I believe to be the remedy to a lot of what we're facing. So enjoy this episode with our friend of the podcast, the one, the only, Drew Dees. So Drew, it's a pleasure to have you back on as a repeat guest. It's been a year. It's been a year. Got to pass. It's been a year since we've connected here on the podcast. So the last time that we did connect about a year ago, you were still in college and you have since graduated. What is it like to be a graduate from the University of Florida? What has life been like for you since graduating? It's a mix of emotions, right? You have that sense of pride and sense of fulfillment and sense of accomplishment that I did it. Uh-huh. But then you're also like, oh no, I have to <laughs> grow up and be what they call an adult now. Adulting. So, um, yeah. It's been a ride, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, you know, lots of transition has happened since then. Um, what I kind of transitions? <laughs> so, you know, I'm now no longer in that accessible 
amazing state-of-the-art Cypress Hall <laughs> Cypress Hall yeah. dorm that I was in, right? Yeah. Um, I'm now in an apartment that is not <laughs> quite Cypress as <laughs> accessible. It's something that we make work yeah. and we make do with, yeah. but it's not ideal. So, so let's start there. So you're at the University of Florida a year ago. You're in Cypress Hall, which people need to look up. It's just the state-of-the-art dormitory, fully accessible. This have amazing features. And you've graduated. And since graduating, now you got to go find a place. What, what was that experience like? Talk to me in the context of you know, affordable, accessible, and safe housing. To put it simply, it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack, right? Mm. Um, there's the two and two, those two words that you said, affordable and accessible. Mm-hmm. They, they don't go hand in hand, no. right? Sure. If it's affordable, it's not accessible. If it's accessible, it's not affordable. Because oftentimes, if you want it to be accessible and you want to uh, be able to live independently, you've got to fork out more money just mm-hmm. because we need that yeah. those extra accommodations and things. So it's been a whirlwind working with Florida Vocational Rehabilitation right now to uh-huh. see what kind of things that they can put in place. But also, you know, as you said, a lot has changed in the year since we last jumped yeah. on the podcast. So in the next year, I'm hoping to have a place of my own and not have to deal with roommates because being an adult you kind of start losing those patience for those little things like noise and you just want to come home and relax right have your space so 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 when you're let's think of all the features that you're you're seeking when you're going out to look for affordable and accessible housing so a ramp to get in into the dwelling right wider doorways correct correct yeah, and a roll-in shower, yep. at the very least. Um, what else are you are we looking for? Like shower chairs? Well, um, yep, that'd be nice too. Uh-huh. But yeah, you, I think you hit on all the main points there. You, grab you bars. Know, you grab bars. You yeah. need, need to get in it, right? Yeah. And then you need to have that roll-in shower and grab bars and maybe the sink that doesn't have cab- cabinets. So yeah. a roll-in you get sink. Under it. Yeah. So it's at the right yeah. height. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. it's not as quite as many bells and whistles as what I had the luxury of having at Cypress, but just those those basic needs, right? Those, those are, yeah, the basics, those right? few yeah. small things that will make it me be able to live yeah. that much more independently. I think that's important for people to know that don't use a wheelchair. Yeah, so what are all these features that are needed when going to just an apartment, right? You know, you need to be able to roll into through the doorway Doorways in there need to be wide enough to get through, and certainly a shower that you can roll into, shower chair preferably, and grab bars here and there throughout wherever the space is that you live. And that That's huge. Yep. It's, I've always said it's interesting um, with these construction and designing companies where I said this last time I was on the show, we're in a boom, booming college town, right? Yeah. So apartments are going up. Yeah. Left and right. Yeah. And how many of those have a shower? Yeah. None. Yeah. Why? Because they want to go the cheap route and do the tub. But if we really think about it, how many college students actually sit down in the tub and bathe? Not many. <laughs> so it's like, why can't we just do shower chairs? You're making yeah. life home much you, you make like, a good tougher point. for everyone you make across a good the point. board. But 
the reason I say that is I think a big shift has to happen. I, the time is now. Yeah. Um, when when you're designing these things, have someone on your committee that has a disability, whether it be physical, visual, whatever it may be, to be that voice yeah. and say, hey, this design is great, but this is what you could do to yeah. make it better. Yeah, and because how many people are, are in a similar situation where you know, even if they have the money, there might not be available apartments that are out there mm-hmm. that have all those features right. that are needed so that they can live in there. And you know, one of the things that are, was striking to me about the conversations around affordable housing, at least in this area, so uh, being in a college town, and like you were mentioning, there are all kinds of new apartments, complexes that are going up. And I, I say up intentionally because um, Gainesville is rising, is I think the initiative. So I, all these structures are very high, very tall, multiple units that are in them. And, and many of them have more units than is allowable for the space that they're on. And they mm-hmm. request special permitting from the city to be able to build these type of apartments that have more units than is allowable. And the city gives permission for them to do this. But one of the, the initiatives out there with Gainesville Rising was to say that, well, if you're going to you know, exceed the number of units allowable, and we're going to give you these special permits to allow you to do this, then 15% of those units must be available for affordable housing. Awesome, right? Well, what ends up happening is there's no requirement to make them accessible with the features that you're requesting there. And how many people that you know need affordable housing may be using mobility devices like a wheelchair, walker, and et cetera, that need these features? And that's often the accessible is not married with the affordable oftentimes that are out there. Right. Yeah. And it's like I said, I'm not, like, we're not asking these apartments to do every single unit. If we think about handicapped parking, for instance, mm-hmm. right? I think the law is you got to have one for every 25 spots, I believe. So why can't we do something like that with yeah. housing? To have a certain one, percentage. Yeah. A certain percentage of those units, like you were saying, be accessible. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. One of the other things, along with the affordable housing units, say that 15% of the units have to be for affordable housing often. Um, it's up to the property owners or the landlords, you know, property managers, to go find the tenants for there. Mm-hmm. And even at discounted affordable rates or, or whatever reason that they'll come up with, they'll say, we couldn't find anyone. So now we can <laughs> rent these out for market value. If they've done their quote-unquote due diligence in doing that, there's all kinds of ways to get around it. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, yeah. Not going to name drop here because that's not what I'm about, but when I was browsing around for that next apartment, so one of the apartments I went to, they tried to sell me, right? They were like, oh, we have these accessible units. They're great. And I said, oh, may I see one? See what it looks like. Make sure that I'll be able to get inside. And they said, oh, well, someone's in there right now. And I said, oh, I bet that person doesn't have a need for that. They're just in there mm. to make that money. And they looked at me like yeah. a deer in the headlights. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, the truth is the truth. <laughs> I was born on a day, not yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so it's quite interesting because yeah. a lot of the apartments online, they'll say, oh, we're accessible. But are you really? Yeah. And so we got that whole realm of you trying to find adequate, affordable, accessible, and safe housing. 
to get that to go hand in hand. So that's that's been a big adjustment. And that's less than a year. You graduated May or the summer? August. The summer. August. So we're talking like months. You're, you're months into this <laughs> journey. So what else has been new in the world of postgraduate life for you? Um, I'm not in the workforce. Uh-oh. You got employed. <laughs> I Who, did. Who's gullible enough to I, take I you did. on? I Ironically enough, <laughs> my worlds are coming full circle, and I'm now – Happy and honored to say that I'm here on staff at the Center for Independent Living as a program coordinator for the high school tech program. We're so honored to have you. We're so blessed to have you, Drew. It's yeah. quite crazy because once you think, oh, I'm going to go this way, I'm going to get this degree, I'm going to get this job, and then yeah. life says, hold on, pump yeah. the brakes. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> but I wouldn't trade it for anything, right? There's so much to be said. The other day, just the other day on Facebook, a memory popped up when you and I used to do talks and lectures oh, cool. at the University of Florida. And uh-huh. I said, how crazy and how wild is it that yeah. I'm now here at the center? So you never know where life is going to bring you on your journey. It's so and cool. that's the beautiful part of it. It is the beautiful part of it. So yeah, yeah, many, many years ago. I don't know when we started teaming up together and doing presentations at the it's university. It's been about six or seven years. Yeah, so. it, yeah, it's a blur, especially now with COVID time. Is this a right. whole other warp? But yeah, that was, that. Oh, man. And we, we did one not too long ago, too, in December, right? Uh, we did. For some from med students. And it's so wonderful. It's awesome. And you're right. Like, you never know when these connections, collaborations, intersections can then manifest into some opportunities down the road where these seeds have been planted and now are taking root. I want to back up what you were going through. I think it's a very similar thing for a lot of graduates, even myself included. So go to school for a certain major. In your case, it's journalism. And, you know, dreams of doing certain things with journalism when I graduate, this is where I envision myself doing. And like you said, life then maybe has a different path for you to take than the one that you envisioned for yourself. Not saying that that's not going to happen one day for you, but in the short term, uh, when that happens, when you're wanting to zig and life zags, how do you like come to terms with it? Like you, you have a really good attitude about it now, but explain to me that process of, of kind of readjusting, realigning your, your vision with reality. Well, for me, it was kind of easier than most probably because disability and serving others has always been at the forefront of everything that I do. So the way I looked at it is, it's not a loss. It's the capitalization because I'm still using one of my strengths in my current role to serve other people with disabilities and make their lives just as better and give them, impart the knowledge on them and help them in that transition. So you could look at it as a negative. And for a little bit, I'm not going to lie. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, this is what we thought we're doing, but we're not doing it now. Yeah. So you either got two choices. You can be sad about it, which I was for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But then you can choose to look on the flip side, and that's what I choose to do. And, you know, I'm I'm called to be here. I'm called to serve. Um, And like you said, news may happen on down the line. But something that I'm trying to do in 2022, and it's very hard for me because I'm a planner. I'm very type A and... What if this happens and I want to go here and go there? But we need to live in the moment. Mm. We need to live in the present and be thankful and be grateful for what we have now. So life happens is what happens to you while we're planning for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
I really like what you say about being in the moment, being present. It, it's all there ever is, is the now. And planning for a future, which is when it comes, it's the now, right? Right. And so when it does come, and it's not what you envisioned before, you said you were sad. That's appropriate to feel that way, right? Mm-hmm. You think? You feel like yeah. you yeah. let yourself down. In it's okay a, to grieve, though. In a way. Yeah. You know, you're going to feel that loss. Yeah. And, and take that time. Take sure. that moment to grieve. And then get back up and say, hey, this is what's been put in front of me. Yeah. This is what I can do in this opportunity that's been set before me. And who's this? everything that we do in life is a teaching moment, yeah. right? So if news does happen for me, guess what? This opportunity, everything that I've learned within this opportunity will only grow me yeah. and advance me. So yeah. I, I just use it as a teaching moment and just to be, like I said, to be able to serve people with disabilities, such as myself. Like if I think about journalism, I love journalism, yes, but one of my platforms within that was to give a bigger voice for people with disabilities. And guess what? I'm still doing that. I'm still doing that. I'm still podcasting, and I'm still able to help high school students who are about to embark on this crazy, wild transition mm-hmm. called college. Yeah. Who, you know, and I just went through that. So just to be able to talk to these students, because oftentimes people go in and you'll try to tell students, no, you can do it. You can do this. But the beautiful thing about me is I just graduated, right? Mm-hmm. I thought I would. I thought I knew where I was going, mm-hmm. but I, but I didn't. And I wound up somewhere that I didn't think I would be. But it's a beautiful thing. So these students that are about to go through the same thing, mm-hmm. they can look at me and say, "Hey, listen, <laughs> it's gonna be tough. Yeah, this is. It happened to me, but." you can make a beautiful thing out of it. It's a beautiful piece of artwork. It's all about how you look at it. It's all about perspective. That, I think, applies to so many people. We'll stick with graduating, but, you know, how many people that are graduating high school are applying for schools that they don't get into, and they've always envisioned or worked towards that, and, you know, you look at a place like the University of Florida, and the admissions are very tough to get into there. Maybe that was someone's dream. Now they... You know, envision themselves there and they're graduating and they're not going to go there or whatever the other school might be their choice maybe they're going to roll right into work and boom covid hit happens yep. and work looks a lot different or with the program you're working in with high school high tech i know one of the uh, program components is is matching the high school students up with an internship and oftentimes what i found is the students you know will have this idea of well, you know, if I go work for this certain agency or this certain organization, you know, whether it's taking care of animals or whether it's, you know, designing video games or uh, whatever it might be that they're interested in, the idea of doing it versus the reality of doing it can be very different. Right. And all of a sudden there's now a disconnect about what they thought they were going to like and do versus, ah, man, I'm getting some experience doing this and I really don't like doing it. So what else am I going to do now? And to be able to make that shift and to be there to help coach people along as you've gone through it, that is purpose. I find that to be purpose. And uh, as we head into the spring, I'm telling my students, you know, that's the beauty of the high school high tech program. You get the opportunity to try different things and see what you like, what you don't like. You're not 
set in stone. You're not married to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I tell them all the time, boy, if I if I got plugged into a program like this, if uh-huh. I knew about this, right. it would probably be a lot easier and a lot better for me. Rather than you know, you go through college, you've got your AA, you've gone, and you're like, I'm gonna get this degree, and then. Lucky for me, I loved journalism and I loved what I chose, but for some people, that's not the case. Sure. They pick this degree, and guess what? They're two months out from graduating, and then they're like, nope, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So I tell my students, through this program, explore as much as you can, because it's only going to help them yeah. in the long run. Yeah. I, I find that that is unmooring. You know, I, I, I went through it and, and when I was at the university and I was teaching there, I would witness so many students going through two, three years in and realizing, you know what, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to go to law school. I don't want to be an engineer. I want to major in art. I want to be doing something else. And it seemed like they were chasing someone else's dream. And now they were waking up to it and having a a lot of difficulty in reconciling that in that that they seem to be wrapping their identity, like who they were with their goal. And their career, yep. And to make that shift was almost like this de-identification of this self that they have created and then having to mourn that and build another, you know, to be able to go through that. Yeah. to be a and, bit of a process. And I go back to this again. You know, journalism was a little bit of a letdown that in this moment, it's not for me. And maybe for you on down the road, but uh, my faith has really carried me in a lot of this, mm-hmm. you know, and it's shown me, hey, you've still got the strength. You've still got a talent that you can capitalize on. Yes, you want to be on TV. Yes, you want to be on the news. But you still have a gift mm-hmm. of serving others. So right here, right now, you need to focus on that gift and maybe on down the line, I'll get to where I want to be. Or maybe, you know, I won't. But it's all about, again, perspective and keeping the faith and believing believing in yourself, right? You're going to go in that transition period that if things don't work out the way you thought they would, you may have a little self-doubt. But you pick yourself up. You, you know, whatever opportunity presents itself, whatever field it is, embrace it. Embrace it. I think something that we need to do as millennials and stuff is to embrace change. Uh, um, something that's came out of this pandemic is change, right? Yeah. But I think once we do, whenever that may be, once we do come out of this, people will be more adaptable and more susceptible to change. Because I'm going to tell you, I don't like change. <laughs> Not many people do, even when they want to change. So, yeah. But this this opportunity has really taught me some valuable life lessons about myself as well. I'm glad you see it as like valuable and lessons and it provides meaning, you know, through what you're going through. I like what you said earlier too, about giving yourself time to to be sad, but not to wallow, Mm -hmm. to pick yourself back up. I even like what you said about acknowledging that you had self-doubt, you know, so I, I see, you know, for myself, I've had self-doubt. Of course, I want to run from that and go towards confidence. 
And at the same time, the more I examine self-doubt, it shows me that I'm pushing my limits and boundaries and trying new things. And of course, I'm going to have doubt if I'm pushing the edges of what I'm capable of, not knowing if I can do certain things. Yeah, Seems like yeah, a pretty natural thing that shouldn't always be getting piled on as far as bad, bad, bad. Don't, don't, you know, for me, it's kind of like, that's a, that's a signal in a way that we might be heading in the right direction as well. Mm-hmm. And I say during the times of darkness, during our low points, that's when we grow the most. Hmm. We might not like those times, but that's when we grow the most and we truly find ourselves and find our purpose. Yeah, in order to flower, the bud has to break. Yeah. Uh, you did mention millennials and uh, I think Gen Z. Is that the next come up generation that's mm-hmm. been dubbed? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of positive things to say about those generations and you know, and I want to get into, you know, the future of leaders in the area of disability, too, with you. But I think the one thing that really stands out and is getting a lot of attention nowadays is the, um, the evidence that's out there that shows that the millennials and Gen Zs are reporting, like, astronomically high rates of anxiety, depression, and suicide, and suicidal ideations, like, have just exponentially increased in these generations compared to others. And just want to maybe get some of your thoughts on on that. Is it overblown? Is it real? You know people among this generation that's certainly a lot more than I do. Mm-hmm. But it's in the area of public health, there's a lot of alarm that's going on in this area. What do you have to say about it? No, it's real. It's real. It's a real thing. And I'll be honest and candid here. I'm one of them, one of those statistics. So, you know, take disability away for a minute. You know, as you said, everyone in that generation is going through it. But then when you add disability onto that, it's even more so. So it's real. Um, I think COVID has really put a damper on a lot of people. If we think about some of those students who were, you know, started their school years this year. Some of those students, it's been years since they've been in the classroom due to COVID. Um, you know, freshmen at the University of Florida. Their high school years were ruined, um, and now they're having to still go through the transition in college. So I think it's very real, that social anxiety. Think about a big school like the University of Florida, 50,000-plus students. Well, if you haven't been in a classroom, and then you go into a, <laughs> a lecture hall with bunch of the kids, mm-hmm. you're going to have major anxiety, major yeah. social anxiety. So it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, so when, when I was working at the university, there was a lot of resources put into the, the counseling and wellness. And, and suicide is, um, before COVID or outside of even generational context of this, is that it's oftentimes either the top or number two cause of death. It's usually unintentional injuries and suicide for young adults. And so that was a major focus, and it touched me a few times. I'd had students in my class that had committed suicide Mm -hmm. during those times, and we'd have the grief counselors come in, and we would create space for the students to share and talk. And there was one time in particular, someone that was really, really near and dear to my heart, one of the students, and and was always someone that participated very well. I taught a health class. We were to ask, I remember the first day of class asking, what's the most important dimension of health? And he right away said mental health. 
that he was a two-time suicide survivor. And he was into cycling, had really good you know, friends. Um, during that semester, a bad turn of events led him to committing suicide. And, in, and throughout that course, it was like late into the course, like he endeared himself to everyone in the class. He was always that person that would go out and help. He came out for several service projects that I helped to lead on weekends, helping to fix people that live in poverty, helping to give them and fix their bikes, like just on his own, just an amazing person. When we were going through the grief counseling with the class, I was so struck by the number of students. The class had about 150 students in it. But I would say 10% of them, after this happened, came up to me and said that they, or someone that they know very close to them, was thinking of suicide. And it's just some, something that's very real. And to, to read reports that this has gone up like tenfold within this, when this uh, age group. Uh, within the last, you know, since 2010. It's just, that is a lot. That is, that is very striking and alarming. And, and just, it's a real issue. One that, you know, I hope if anyone is even thinking of that, that they have a plan for not doing it. Calling somebody, taking action, um, you know, a way out when, when they think that, you know, nothing, that, that, you know, one thing is a permanent solution is the only solution that they can have an action plan of not doing it. I think that's one of the things that I learned coming out of that. But, you know, what do we do when a generation of youth are in this place of having so much anxiety, so much stress, so much depression, and, and it doesn't seem to be going away. Like the yeah. pandemic at this point we're recording is still going to be here. You know, there's inflation, there's social unrest. There's all these layers that are outside of even uh, what was going on before this. You know? right. So what, what, do you, what do we do, Drew? Like, is this a spiritual crisis? Like, what, how do we, what's the remedy? I say, first and foremost, it's a simple remedy. Love one another and be kind. There's that saying that everyone's going through, everyone's facing a battle that we know nothing about. Hmm. And I think that quote, really rings true even more so now than ever right because um, as we sit here sitting across from each other you know I'm, I have my struggles and I'm sure you have yours we sure. all yeah. we all struggle yeah. but at the end of the day it's about can we get through it can we lean on others can we embrace kindness just a small act of kindness yeah. can change someone's day just a smile. I mean, nowadays, even more so, because we're wearing masks. So when you get to see someone's full face yeah. and they smile, it's sure. like a light bulb goes off. Yeah. So that kindness and loving one another is two key points that I think can really change well, yeah. the situation. You never know when you're going to make someone's day, even a stranger, holding a door open, saying hello. Uh, reaching out to somebody you haven't been in contact with for a while. I, I fully believe that, yes, all of us are internally waging some kind of struggle that not many people know about. And, and from what I hear, um, it's really important to have three to five people in your life that got your back no matter what, no matter what, have your back. And, and I see that there's you know, research that shows having a happy friend and having a, a friend, that friend having a happy friend, like exponentially improves, you know, positivity, uh, emotional stability, resiliency, and all these other kind of things. And so where I'm going with this is that I've also read that the 
loneliest generation are the millennials. And so this idea of being kind and showing you care about people, I think really rings true. The idea that you know millennials may, may have a lot of digital friends, but in real non-virtual world, who can right. we count on? You know, we call at three in the morning to say, or, you know, I'm, uh, I'm depressed and I need somebody, or, you know, I need a place to, to stay for a while because I just lost, you know, my, my apartment, or, you know, who, who can have our back? So, right. and we're in that world of social media, right? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that. And all that's great for friends who are in other states and things, but, um, and even more so with, with COVID now, we're, we're not getting it. We can't get together. Right. So how do we yeah. how do we overcome that, right? How do we still have connection. some form of connection yeah. while being safe? It's a conundrum. So. It's a tough one. So how do we be friends? Say we're somebody, you know, with a disability who, again, people with disabilities, less likely to, you know, have intimate, close social networks create more friends in their lives that they can count on, depend on, be less lonely, perhaps abate some of that stress, that anxiety and the depression that seems to be you know, endemic now in this generation? That's a great question, Tony, and uh, a question that I don't really know at this point because as I sit across the table from you, I think about, and you know, even people without disabilities probably go through this sure. too. Sure, 100%. Um, yeah. but, um, I know for me, you know, at the University of Florida, you're involved. Go from club meeting to here to there. Yeah. Come speak at this event. Yeah. I, I was king of the world uh-huh. at UF. I felt like king of the world. Every, everybody knew Drew. Uh-huh. But now when you leave the university, you're in a small bubble. Yeah. You're fish in a big old pond. So how do we keep those relationships going? Um, and that's the big thing that I'm personally working on because outside of my few co-workers here at work yeah. and my personal care staff, take that away, who do I have at the end of the day? So that is a very good question. You know, it's, it's interesting that where do we learn to be a friend? You know, it just seems to be just kind of like just... <laughs> Nothing that's really, I, don't, I can't say that I've ever like been formally taught. It's just this kind of like, go wing it, right? And I, I'm thinking too, like, uh, so like one of my sons, he's uh, in school now, he's having a hard time making friends. Mm. And it's not like they teach him that in school. And they're supposed to be learning that at home. And, and I'm now thinking to myself as I'm raising my son, I'm like, okay, I'm going to teach him how to make a friend. How? How do I do that? You know, like, like I got some things, and I'll, I'll probably do a little exploration and ask some open-ended questions. But, you know, how how do we create friendships that are meaningful with people? How do we do that? Right. I don't know. Uh, Isn't that the, weird that we can't answer that yeah. question? <laughs> the the theme song of the Girl and the Girls comes into my head. <laughs> Betty White, rest in peace. Her. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> no, I'll I'll keep my day job. I'm not a singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Golden Girl reference. Not many people will get that. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely an atypical millennial. So. But uh, like even that TV show Friends, right? Right. You know, for me, you know, there's these interesting but maybe not so helpful quotes like if you want a friend go be one 
you know, perhaps it comes back to the old communication, mm-hmm. you know, reaching out to people, maybe being more of a listener than a talker, not making it transactional like you want something from somebody, right. be genuinely interested in, you know, somebody else and uh, getting to know them through, you know, good communication, experiences, you know, maybe finding community, mm-hmm. right? Like there, how many different like kind of communities around art or volunteerism or sport, like so many, you know, faith, faith-based, your special interest, hobbies. Oh my goodness, there's always, a, there's a club for everything, you know? Yep. You know, there's so much out there that people could be interested in. We just had a medieval fair here, blow through town. And like, did, you go, a, did you go? No, but I'd love to. <laughs> but it's like a culture, right? Like people dress up like, I don't know, the, the medieval times. And uh, it's a whole culture. That's their scene. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, maybe people get niched up into a hobby. And there's a, there's a community around just about every interest and surrounding people with there. But I think volunteerism. Mm-hmm. is a huge one where you'll find a lot of people with kind hearts service above self service above self that's what i always say and engaging and communicating you know that definitely is is something i, I want to explore more you know and how to do better in terms of you know really uh, acknowledging that as a as a society as a community and in certain segments of our society and community and, and the gen z and the millennials and, and certainly in older adults like this happens too loneliness depression, you know, high quality social networks. Like, how can we do more? How can we do better? And going into this year, just everyone, we're going to have continued pandemic. We're going to have a continued stress and unrest. And, right. and how can we be the best versions of ourselves so we can be there for other people? Exactly. Amen. You hit the nail on the head. And so I hope we can do that. And especially you, with, you know, working in the high schools and seeing, you know, being there firsthand with, with a lot of youth that are there and really trying to focus in on what their goals are, how they're going to navigate this this world that's been turned upside down and everything. Is this an opportunity for us then to really surface some high quality leaders, you know, out of this group? I I think it's always an ongoing question. And let's just say in the area of disability, like Mm -hmm. who are our young leaders? Who are the leaders of the future? And I see you as, as that now right now right <laughs> so be in the now like as judy's you know and, and the qualities that you have what would you say to the up-and-coming generation or how would you better yet better question would probably be how can we surface and get the leaders of tomorrow to rise today i would just say being there for them right comes back to that kindness letting them know that we we care we are there for them some of my students I may be the only, one of the only positive figures in their life, but when I go into that classroom, I know that we have a job to do, and the main focus is to find them employment after high school, but I also want to make sure that I'm caring for them as an individual, and let them know that, hey, I'm here for you, I care about your success, because I always say, it takes that one person to make that difference, to make that positive impact positive change in someone's life yeah i can definitely point back to the the handful of people that i had through my high school experience as adults that i could say that did exactly that and remember them forever you know that they were there they were present they they had genuine empathy or authentic and man that made a difference just having that presence of a role model of somebody that's actually listening 
and it's huge. It's very important. That's very important. So how do you instill perhaps a purpose or, or meaning into somebody or at least allow them the space to find their purpose and meaning? Because I, I know that's like a that's a lifelong endeavor, but I, right. I think especially in during the high school and into post-secondary life, finding meaning, finding purpose, I, I would imagine is, uh, is pretty much uh, some ingredients there to, to hone in on perhaps our future leaders that, that would have clarity and vision having that understanding of what their purpose and meaning is, is how do you coach that along, you know, in other people to find their purpose, to find their meaning? Well, first and foremost, everyone's journey is different, right? So you got to have patience. Got to have patience. You may want them to be a flower and just bloom right away, but um, just in my short time, well, I guess it's been seven months, within high school high tech. It's like, you want these students to succeed right away, but the, the growth that you see within them just within a few months is incredible, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to be patient, and you want you don't want to be too overbearing, right? You're there to serve as their guide, but ultimately, the ball's in their court, mm. right? It is up to them. Yeah. You can lead a horse to water, but we can't make it drink. Yeah. One of the activities that we did last week with my students was setting those new goals for the new year, taking magazines and doing a collage of career goals, hobbies, cool, whatever it may be. And that was one of the most interesting activities to me just because everyone's different. Yeah. No one individual is the same. So I tell my students, look around the room, look at everyone's collage. And you see all these differences, but together, that can make one big firestorm wow. to set the world on fire. It sounds like a beautiful activity <laughs> to, to be able to get there. That was a great, great response. It reminds me of, there was a person that had this activity that would write all the things on, like say the left side of a page that are like super inspirational um, things that they would, you know, maybe aren't doing, but are have values, uh, would love to do, and then on the right side of the page, all the things that they're currently doing, and where's the alignment happening? Mm. You know, where are they actually doing something that's in alignment with what they find meaningful, or they would love to do in the future, and trying to like coordinate it that way. But I like the collage one. I like that coming together. And I think the next one I'm gonna do is words of affirmation, right? We want to make sure, and I struggle with this too, right? I can sit here and say, Tony is wonderful, Tony is great. But at the end of the day, uh -huh. I need to make sure that I'm looking myself in the mirror and saying those same words to myself. Yeah. So. That's important. That's powerful. I like what you said about patience and individuality. Those are huge. I think the position that you're in, anyone that I know of that's in teaching that, and is, does very well in teaching talks a lot about the patience that's involved with that. And to be able to tailor their message to the same message delivered in many different ways so that it can land on the ears and the hearts of the people that they're aiming to receive that message.
That's huge, having patience and individually tailoring it. So, wow, that's good stuff, Drew. So <laughs> let me ask you some rapid fire questions then that kind of align, align with some of this. Ooh, like, let me get ready yeah, for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what, what's your purpose and meaning in life? My purpose is to make a difference, to let others know that they feel loved, appreciated, and all of the above. Because oftentimes for me, uh, my strength is, is words of affirmation. Let me know that I am on the right path. Let me know that I'm doing a wonderful job. So my purpose is to make sure others feel the same way. When do you feel most connected to the universe or God or the higher power? I would say while I'm in my current role is with the students, seeing them blossom, seeing them grow, thinking about, <laughs> you know, when I first began this role, I didn't realize that it's almost been eight years since I've stepped foot in high school. So when I started what? when wow. I started this role, I was like, oh wow, thinking back to what high school Drew was, to who he is today, what a great transition, right? What brings you the most fear? The unknown. Mm, I know that's cliche, but the unknown. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, you talked about this earlier, but loneliness, being alone forever, not having a partner or significant other to come home to at the end of the day. I think that's something that everyone struggles of and specifically people with disabilities mm -hmm. is relationships. How do you lean into your fear? I just have to rely on, you know, the big man upstairs, the higher power. Um, because at the end of the day, with life in general, with anything, I may think I know the answer or know the way or know the path. But at the end, the only one who knows it's him. What brings you the most joy? Service. Service. Um, serving above. Serving others is what I do, right? That's why I get out of bed every day. Serving and um, haven't really done much of this because I've been in transition between college and work life, but mm -hmm. that and um, content creation, right? Creative. Doing my podcasts. Uh, sharing the stories of other people, marginalized community, sexuality, race, orientation, disability, poverty, whatever that may be. Sharing that story and letting the world know that they are worth it and they are worthy and they are loved. What's a big life question? Like what's life's big question that you chew on, think about a lot? Ooh. That's the hard one. Will, will we ever, all of us, get to where we ultimately want to be, the highest of highest, will we ever reach that accomplishment that we can say, I made it, I uh -huh. did it, right? Because we always say that all yeah. the time, I made it, look at me now. But once we hit that milestone, that else. we're always wanting to accomplish. Now, yeah. what's our next move? Right. How can we go greater? Yeah. So will we ever reach? Be fulfilled. That sense of fulfillment. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a great question because it does seem like, like you look at your journey, you know, getting yourself through high school, getting your AA, getting into UF, getting out of UF, finding that apartment, getting that job, like where it, it doesn't end, right? And do we take time to really enjoy the, that accomplishment before moving on to the next thing? And are we on this accomplishment, you know, strive but never arrive treadmill? It's quite funny that you um, bring that up. Do we take a moment to celebrate that accomplishment? I will say, do as I say, not as I do, <laughs> and take that moment after graduation to really let it soak in. Because yeah. there was one thing I wish I would have done. I wish I would have given myself a little bit of time yeah. before jumping into the workforce. Yeah. Because I'll tell you, I started yeah. this role a month before graduation. Yeah, so yeah. So it's like, graduation, yeah. all right, get to work. Yeah. Um, so just give yourself that grace. Give yourself that time. If you've always wanted to travel, see the world, yeah. do it before jumping in. Gap year wasn't a thing when I was graduating. <laughs> now it's like everybody does this gap year. Right? Yeah. All my interns right now, they're like, yeah. yep, I'm doing my internship, then I'm taking a gap year, and I'm like, well, make sure you do whatever you want to do yeah. without kids, without restraints. Sure. Yeah. Because once you enter the workforce and once you get that family, there's lots of factors sure. that come into that consideration. It's good advice. So That's a good thing to have. So what in your life gives you faith? I would say God. Well, what gives you faith in God? Just knowing that I've been able to survive another day. Uh, right? Just knowing that through my work, I'm able to make a difference in the lives of others. Just knowing that, you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Right? It's going to get better. And there's going to be a day that we all just, you know, we're, ha we're happy. No worries. But, you know, and I've, this may, this is a personal belief, but I've always said with this COVID, it's that just one sign that the day is coming. We don't know when it's coming. Guaranteed, yeah. But it's coming. Yeah. And we better be ready. Yeah, we're all born with a fatal condition. <laughs> it's one of those things that definitely come and for me I, I try to look at it as a daily practice to, to meditate on on one's mortality and imagine this day right here this podcast you know what we're going through right now being here connected like you were saying earlier be present nothing draws me more into the present than to think that this could be it and not from a morbid kind of way but in the way like how can I choose to live this moment, hold the thought, say the word, not say the word, do the thing, not do the thing uh, that I would want to do knowing that this could be it. This right. could be over. And not that, um, again, to try and be morbid about it, but just to make the right choices in the thoughts I hold, the words I share or don't share, the actions I take or don't take. Right. And yeah, using that as like a I'm, compass. I'm thinking if this day was it, have I done enough? What will people remember me by? What legacy? You know, we, we can't take anything with us when we no. go. Yeah. So are we doing everything yeah. to make that lasting impression that people will remember us as a person that was strong, that helped others, you know, service above self, and that kindness. So the time is now. It's, it's always right. now. Yeah. And <laughs> touching people's hearts, right? We can leave that behind. 
like you said, there's not a trailer hitch on a hearse. You can't bring your stuff with you, right? <laughs> nope. Yeah. Can't take it with you when you go. Yeah. So we can, by good works and good deeds and the greater good, you know, that that can last. That last anything you know, that we put into, especially if we can connect and, you know, touch people's hearts. And at the end of the day, we all have a terminal diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm. And that'll happen. So are we living in the now as much as we can? And, and for me, one of the perspectives on, uh, on death is that it's not this far away event. Maybe it is, and I hope it is for us, that it's many decades ahead, but it's happening right now. Right. So an hour ago when I was in your office, death owns that time. You know, that's in the past. We'll never get that back. That breakfast you had this morning, that conversation you had with somebody yesterday, death owns that. We're never getting that time back again. So how are we going to spend this time that we have now? That is a great way to look at it. Yeah, that's not this future event. It's happening, you know, we die every moment away into the past. Yep. Yeah, so how are we going to live it? If we look at all the folks that have passed in 2021 and those that are passing in 2022, sure. you never know. You never know. And I suppose one of the things that could inspire us to be able to live to the fullest of our potential, like you were talking about before, is perhaps enjoying the journey, the process, not just these goals and the outcomes and and the things that we check off and then we're on to the next thing. It's like, how do we actually enjoy the process of going to where we're going? And maybe the process is the outcome. Because we say it all the time, trust the process. (laughs) (laughs) But how often do we really take those We're looking at the shiny thing in the future. But you're right. It's, It's... if you have a piece of paper in front of you, we're just checking off boxes. Mm-hmm. We need to learn to just enjoy the ride. Yeah. One on big roller coaster, perhaps an even bigger one than we ever have been before with these past few years. But just put our hands up and enjoy yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> and put our hands up together, right? And reaching out, like you said, with kindness to other people, creating real friendships maintaining and sustaining real friendships. You know, that should, I hope, be a goal for all of us you know, moving forward. How can we be more kind? How can we create more connection? How can we engage more community? How can we sustain that together? Because we're all in this together. We yeah. are. And we need, a, yeah. we need these bonds. We, we, and I think, it's, I think it's the recipe to abate some of the things that we were talking about earlier. It, it seems to be magnified generationally right now. Mm-hmm. But it, it affects everybody, social stress, anxiety, depression, and, and leading to you know, some of these terrible outcomes. Like maybe that's, that, that's the way. We need each other more than ever. Right. More than ever to be there for each other, to yep. be of service. Amen. Well, Drew, I, I appreciate you. I, I consider you someone I look up to quite a bit for inspiration. You, know, you seem to have a fearless fight in you that you're always going to lean towards the positivity, you're going towards the light. You may allow yourself to, to have a little bit of darkness, but I think in a healthy way, to then move forward into the light and, and do it unapologetically and be in yourself, not, not trying to be someone else for other people to do that mm-hmm. and to persevere and to have the endurance, the resilience. You're just amazing. I really look up to you a lot. Well, I appreciate that, Tony. Thanks so much for having me, and I just a shameless plug to everyone out there, again, to reiterate, 
be kind, love one another, and like you said, we're all in this together. And a real shameless plug for high school I tech. I am the coordinator of Alachua and just recently got a promotion, leaving county as well. Congratulations. So if anyone's listening to this episode, I'm always needing guest speakers for my students or job shattering opportunities. So if anyone's interested in that, I'm sure all my contact information we'll link will it be up. listed. Yeah. So please reach out to me. Yeah. I'd love to network with you so we can uh, pave the path and help our future generation become successful and productive members of society. Join Team Drew. <laughs> we are at the Center for Independent Living <laughs> in our Central Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll link up your uh, contact information in, into the show notes and also is your podcast too. You want to talk a minute or two about your podcast that you have? Yep. So my podcast is Drew's News. If you look it up, there's about 12 episodes there currently that you can go back and listen to. But it is my goal this year to get back into it, even if it's just an episode a month. Just getting back into the swing of that content creation. Because if you don't create, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? Oh, I remember so that. stay tuned for future episodes and just check it out. And if you have a positive, if anyone is doing anything good in the world, let me know. I want to share that story. Whether it be you have a disability or whether you're not, I welcome any and all because, like Tony said, we're all in this together. And so support the Sinners Podcast and the Independent Life and support Drew's News and we all win. And until next time, we're going to take this onward and upward. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Independent Life Podcast, brought to you by the Center for Independent Living of North Central Florida. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you know anyone who might benefit from listening, share this podcast and invite them to subscribe too. For questions, suggestions, or if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at cilncf.org at gmail.com or call us at 352-378-7474. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, support, advocate, and empower each other to live the independent life.